This is Tribeca Film Festival Live from WNYC. I'm Rachel Neal. And I'm James Ramsey. James, on today's panel, we're going to hear from comedian Amy Schumer. As in Roastmaster Amy Schumer? Absolutely that one. Roseanne, you have the voice of a parakeet and the face of a much fatter parakeet. (laughs) (laughs) And now, three years later, still a snarky, she has her own show on Comedy Central. My Dream Breakup. Amy, a high school graduate, is ready to change her relationship status with her boyfriend, Nick. Nick and I have been dating for two and a half years. Nick is, like, such a great guy, but I just, I know in my heart that I'm ready for something taller. Inside Amy Schumer just won a Peabody Award. And Schumer's also starring in a new Judd Apatow movie called Trainwreck, wherein she plays a train wreck. She's everywhere. Inside Amy Schumer is one of the two shows on Comedy Central with women as the main focus. And today we're going to get a peek behind the scenes of that show and learn all of its secrets. We'll hear from the show's staff of writers and producers, including Amy herself and head writer Jesse Klein, who WNYC listeners may know from The Moth and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Here it is, Inside Amy Schumer. I'm particularly delighted to be doing this intro as I was part of the original Comedy Central executive team all those many years ago. That was before the network had South Park, Jon Stewart, and certainly before there was a woman that starred in, wrote, and executive produced a show on Comedy Central. Amy talks about the stuff that nobody else talks about. She has a really good time making people laugh about some of the things that make us cry. We want to congratulate the show as Inside Amy Schumer has been named a 2014 Peabody Award winner. Amy was just named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People for 2015. And she is also scripted and will star in Trainwreck for Universal, which is set to be released this summer. We are excited that Amy Schumer, Inside Amy Schumer, returns to Comedy Central this Tuesday night at 10.30, And now you are the lucky audience who is about to see season three premiere of Inside Amy Schumer. After the episode, Sarah Vilkommerson will moderate a talk with Amy, the show's producers, writers, director, and DP, and I know you're about to have a great time. Thanks, Patty. Can you hear? Oh, wait. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes. Um, So as you guys all saw, there's a lot of very exciting guest stars on this season of Inside Amy Schumer, and I sort of wanted to begin with uh, the last fuckable day, because there's some surprises in there, and I would love to sort of hear how that all came about. What was the original, how did the original idea take shape in the writer's room? Jesse, I think you're going to need to take the, this scene we've been trying to make for three years, lots of actresses said no. (laughs) Um, Um, Yeah, well... I've clearly had my last fuckable day, and um, <laughs> the rest is herstory. Um, no, I think this came out of a conversation that we were having in the room at some point just about actresses like aging out of Hollywood and how that happens, and just like women who were seen as like the ultimate, you know, hottest like ingenue, and like when, like what is when do, do they know? And we somehow we just started talking about like 
there must be a moment or like a like a singular, at least a singular day. And then once the phrase last fuckable day came out of someone's mouth, we were like, oh, last fuckable day. Wouldn't that be fun to hear a bunch of famous women say a thousand times? And um, yeah, and then it just, then it became a journey to find like the angels who ended up doing it. And uh, yeah, it was like the most fun day we've ever had in our Best lives. Day of our fair, lives. fair to say? Yeah. Okay. Best cool. day of our lives. Yeah. And um, I think it was just, yeah, we were just talking about it in the room and the observations we were making. And then we, and then we did, we were like, oh yeah, Sally Field, like when Tom Hanks had like a thing and then she was like his elderly mom. And we just, we kind of couldn't get over that. And then more and more in Hollywood, you see that like a, you know, 65 year old dude and it'll be like Natalie Portman or uh, the other one that looks like her. Um, <laughs> just like 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 we're in love and it's just yeah and then we and I was obsessed with the idea of pushing them out onto a boat and viking <laughs> funeraling them yes amy was totally the viking funeral 100% i was like we're doing it um but uh it's the only scene we've ever shot in LA and these chicks were so cool to agree to do it and it, that's why it was such a fun day cuz we really got to just hang out in that dreamlike situation and uh, cuz they were kind of outraged by the same stuff that w we thought was unfair also yeah they all had amazing stories but what was amazing was i actually when you explained it to me i didn't know what a viking funeral was and so cut from amy explaining a viking funeral to me so two years later, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is on a rowboat. Uh, and I was like, oh, my God, please don't die, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, the, uh, the first season we were looking at it, it was, we were kind of looking at, like, Diane Keaton, Mia Farrow types for it. And then I think when that didn't come together, the second time we looked at it, we sort of re, you know, looked at it again to maybe, you know. We didn't know why those two wouldn't want to work together. <laughs> <laughs> But actually, the second time we looked at it, we uh, we had been talking to Nicole Holof Center. Nicole Holof Center guest directed that sketch, and then we immediately thought of um, uh, Julia because of Enough Said. And then thinking, t so in terms of like the second time we looked at it, these were kind of the women that we immediately thought of, and somehow it all came together, and this they all agreed to do it. Cast. Yeah, this was the dream cast. It was, so it was incredible how it came together. Can I just say that Dan uh, and Jesse and myself are the the executive producers of the show. Kevin's a producer. Kim's a writer, Jesse's also the head writer, and Ryan's the director of the show. Just so you know, what's up? So I'm curious, when you have people like Tina Fey and Julia Louis-Dreyfus on set, do they start adding in their own jokes once you guys got to set? White spiders. White spiders <laughs> was all Tina, Tina Fey. <laughs> Tina Fey came, came up with white mind. spiders, and I was like, I don't have the authority to give you a second Mark Twain prize, but <laughs> I, I'm going to citizens arrest you a Mark Twain prize for I'm white spiders. Peabody. Yeah, and Patricia is, like, very into crafting, and she really wanted us to make this birdhouse out of diaphragms, which is now my apartment. But uh, everybody came ready with their own, uh, locked and loaded with their own ideas. Yeah, this really, everybody was very inspired by this scene. Uh, I'm curious who did the Sally Field was here on the canoe. <laughs> Pro, I mean, set deck, the, the <laughs> sweet people there. But we were, like, we were almost not going to get an insert of that. We were like, get it. We need it. It will change Sally, lives. Sally Field was here, did come up in the room. We, we came armed with Sally Field was here, and then some <laughs> incredible wood carvemen uh, did, did an amazing job. We're wood carve women. A lot of the crew was a no, female that men, day. No, all men. All men. Women can't do it. It was a lady set that day. Um, and of course, the, the other sketches in this first episode, I mean, let's, let's go back to the beginning. Ryan, I know you directed 
everything else that we saw today, uh, including Milk, Milk, Lemonade, which I guarantee everyone will be singing for the next hour at least. Thank you. Ryan, please apologize to the audience for what you did with that video. Poor Ryan. Uh, this is the first music video in, inside Amy Schumer history, right? Uh, it is, yeah. Um, not the last. Not the last. Uh, I've done a bunch of music videos, but this was the first Did you do Who show. Let the Dogs Out? No, I, I edited Who Let the Dogs uh, Out many years ago. <laughs> YouTube it. I have a cameo in the first couple seconds of it. But yeah, so, um, so I came up doing a lot of videos. This was the first for the show. And um, yes, certainly not the last. We have one more in this season that I think you're also really going to love. And it doesn't have to do with shit, but hopefully you guys will still <laughs> dig it. So, so tell me how that all, how did that start? Were you guys joking around in the writer's room? And we were. I definitely declared this is the, the year of the ass in the writer's room. and was like, people are going so crazy about Anaconda. Nicki Minaj's video had like a billion hits. And... Uh, and Iggy Azalea, and it was like, I've said this a couple times, but I, I, I really feel that it, like, you know, I have an ass, and, uh, and like, black guys have always been super nice about it, and like, been like, hey, girl, and I'm like, oh, this, but, um, <laughs> but now all of a sudden, because of this, like, ass boom, white guys are starting to be like, maybe I like ass, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm kind of like, nah, like, where, where have you been, you know? When I was like, um, this isn't mine, I'm watching it for a friend. Like, now you're, now you want in? So, I think we just wanted, when we're in the writer's room, we're talking about that. And then it just came up that it's like, I think Kyle Dunnigan, one of the writers, was like, it's like where you poop. Like, it's your poop shoot. And, uh, and then, uh, we, and then John Glazer, like, how, what happened? Glazer, um... John Glazer, who's one of our writers, and is like the two children, <laughs> sweetest, nicest man, and he has two of like the cutest kids. And we we'd somehow been joking all all season long that it was a great time to be a father in comedy, because um, he would send us pictures of himself just writing the filthiest sketches while his kids are like on the other side of the room. <laughs> and um, and so yeah, somehow the milk milk lemonade thing came up, and maybe he was more plugged into that with the kids. Uh, yeah, and then he came in with just a real flow of garbage. <laughs> and then it's that. Um, yeah, it was a real, it took a village as Hillary Clinton. And then like I didn't say. know I was going to be like rapping on it because I've never been so embarrassed in my life as being in that room. Like I, I'm delusional uh, um, with a lot of things, but I do not think that I'm a rapper. And uh, <laughs> so it's on world music, this website and people just They've never heard of me, and they, they all think I'm a rapper. They're like, this girl sucks. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I know. Uh, but other than that, it wasn't that hard to make a music video. Like, we learned, like, a stupid dance. And so it was kind of fun to take some of the thunder out of some of these great artists, where it's like, if you make it flashy enough and show an ass, even if it's about shitting, people will still watch it a lot. I will say that one of the greatest moments of my life was... Uh, when Method Man showed up. And um, as usual, like when someone like that is on set, I'm basically hiding behind a tree. Like I'm too <laughs> terrified of so them. Like so a I, fawn. <laughs> I hadn't introduced myself to him and we were shooting him. And then I just wanted him to say, like thinking of what we could end with, I wanted him to say, it's where your poop comes out. <laughs> and then I had to go up to him and just be like, Hi, I'm this pregnant lady with glasses. I was, would you mind saying it's where your poop comes out, sir? <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, sure. And then 
I was like, I'm Jesse, and he's like, I'm Cliff. And it was very awkward. Uh, but he said it. You had originally asked Ryan to say it, and he's like, wait, what did you want? And so then you were very much <laughs> like, oh, he- hello. Yeah. Like, no, I see her saunter over with, like, her laptop. I definitely <laughs> tried to pot it off on Ryan to ask, and then Ryan fucking yeah, pussied out on like, it. Uh, <laughs> what? Sorry. Ryan is I real hear selective you. I have to hearing. go check something at the camera department. <laughs> And, and getting Method Man and Amber Rose, how was that? They, they got it. They're part of my clique. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Method Man, I met, well, I've been a Wu-Tang fan forever, and especially his, and uh, just, like, could not love him more. And he, he did a, uh, a role in, in Trainwreck, a movie I filmed this summer, and uh, we hit it off. He liked my style. Um, no. He, uh, <laughs> I just asked him I was like when you thinking he he would just like not write back and he's like yeah just like give me my call time and then uh yeah and Amber Rose and I have have strangely become friends this year and uh, she likes stand up and we we met in LA and she's so awesome and she like yeah just neither of them take themselves seriously at all she was so down to play we were like you don't mind saying like fart and break your glasses she's like no I'd love to say that <laughs> Well, it's they really amazing up. when you say to people like things that you're very terrified of asking them to say, and then they're like, "Okay." Like more often than not, they're like, "Yeah, I'll say that." You should try it sometime. <laughs> Do you guys feel now with season three, you you feel like you've hit your stride in a way that you didn't maybe in the first couple of seasons? Is there like a, a confidence now that people Fuck know you, what you're Sarah. about? <laughs> I think we have confidence that we can make this show. After season one, I was like. Like, I was going to go to Africa. I'm like, I don't know how to do this again. Like, I, I don't get And then, uh, and then we f- I feel like we figured out season two, and now I'm like, yeah, we, we get how to make this show. That's how I feel. I came aboard season two, uh, did the whole second season. And, you know, when you do a whole season of a show, you, you, by the end of it, you really know what the show is. So this season was great because on day one, every script I got and the whole writing team and everybody, I just knew... What, what everything could be and should be right from the beginning. So it, it was amazing. And I felt like we just hit the ground running. And the whole season was, is really strong, as you'll soon see. I think she said it best in one of the promos. It ends with Amy saying, it's season three. We're going to do whatever the fuck we want. And that's kind of how it <laughs> felt in the room. Like, we would we would pitch ideas and whereas in previous seasons it might be like oh I don't know like do you think people will be into this and now it's like we're doing what we think is the funniest and what makes us laugh and uh, people are on board regardless have there been sketches where you had to pull yourselves back and think maybe this is too much or maybe this isn't going to be okay for Comedy Central uh, <laughs> Comedy Central has been so cool to us Especially, we really went nuts this season and just broke any sort of rules that we had set up. Um, I think less so with an idea for a whole scene that we've thrown out, more so like a joke where we'll be like, like I always think of this example. We were going to do a scene about how how awful TMZ is and just how they, like, like they don't care where where you are. And we were going to have one of like the reporters come up and have like a celebrity like carrying a baby coffin and then uh, <laughs> and then we were like do we want to be on set like with a baby coffin and we were like no no one wants to see that so I think that it's might have been your call yeah. Jess it's, it's <laughs> yeah. unanimous no Jess baby like, hey. okay. yeah usually it's Jesse being like hey maybe we don't want to be <laughs> uh, yeah but it, did you can you guys think of a 
I only thought of Baby Coffin. Um, <laughs> other than that... Yeah, the, the network's never tried to talk us out of something. We've talked ourselves out of a couple things. There was, I still want to figure out the dirty dancing sketch that Nagel pitched, but uh, oh, beyond yeah. that... Can Shout you? out to Michelle Gainless, who's here. Yeah. Hi, Michelle. Gainless. Of Comedy Central, the goddess of Comedy Central. Gainless fans. <laughs> uh, can you elaborate on the Dirty Dancing sketch? or is that? I really no, don't think no. we're going to ever be able to make it dance. So. Yeah. Do you, want, do you want me to say or just uh, decline? Uh, I don't want to tip the joke in case we get to do it. Let's let imaginations run wild. Yeah. Just think about the darkest part of Dirty Dancing and let your imagination There's like a back there. alley abortion in Dirty Dancing <laughs> you forget it. about. That's the part. That is the part. So we were like, what if there was a... Good. An abortion clinic that was like dirty dancing themed. <laughs> Couldn't Maybe figure out how to earn it. Sketch. We kept going, but we haven't earned it. How do we earn it? Uh, Dan, you once—you've uh, said to me that you feel like the show is abashedly, you know, pro-feminist show, but it didn't always intended. It sort of happened organically. Do you, do you feel like? What do you think was the? the evolution for that, getting into this? Well, um, I think, first of all, it was always going to be a feminist show because that's, you know, Amy's, that's what Amy is and that's how Amy represents herself on stage and in life. But um, I think when the show first started, it was just, we were just generally kind of doing a sketch show that was a sort of extension of Amy's stand-up. But through the first season, as we started working on sketches like Compliments and um, sketches like that, and those were the one after the first season came out, those sketches like compliments were the ones that people were kind of like really talking about it started to feel as we went into season two like it like th this this seems to be the sort of types of material that people are responding to and so we spend a little bit more time focusing on those but we still also just do things where it's like this is funny for funny's sake and let's make it yeah we put a puppy on someone's butt <laughs> i mean we found a way to get dogs in most scenes of the yes. season but I'll, I'll also say this like i think there was a part of especially Jesse and I, who the first season, um, I think we thought that our, our sort of feminism, it, was, it still felt like something we had to sneak in. We, we do follow Daniel Tosh's show on Comedy Central. So we're trying to like retain viewers and get viewers and we want people to, and also make the show that we want to make. So we, we thought we were kind of tiptoeing, like we'll just, like one, I think the AV Club said that our show is the equivalent of putting shaved carrots into brownies. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I love that. And uh and we thought we were, like, being really slick, but then Jess and I were like, I guess everyone sees what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, maybe, like, one person at, like, Smith College will decipher our secret codes. <laughs> and then not, it wasn't quite that. No, everybody. Uh, it's obviously a very close-knit crew, but do you, do you ever find yourselves arguing against each other in the writer's room? And yeah. if so, what are they usually, what are the issues usually Kurt about? Kurt Metzger. <laughs> um, I would say it's such a collaborative thing. There's never, I think I've never said, well, we're doing this. You, you know, it's always a very joint decision and everyone gets very hurt, but people feel passionate about things. Um, one scene that we have this year, should I talk about the court scene? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so um, I had an idea to do a scene where, uh, there was somewhat of a support group, and it was all girls who wouldn't say what happened, but they were all wearing Cosby sweaters. And... <laughs> and we were like, we want to address this. We don't want it to go away without us getting to comment on it. And um, we, we, I think we probably talked about this scene more than any other scene we've ever done. So we have a scene in the four, fourth episode, I think called Cosby Court, which Jessica penned. Um, and... Uh, 
we, uh, we, yeah, we would get in real heated, heated debates in the writer's room about it. And they would branch out into like, because it's just public opinion, you know, that there's no consequences that can, that it seems like can happen at this point. So some people, um, no one was like, I don't think he did it. There was none of that. <laughs> Probably Kurt. But it, but. <laughs> no, but there was like, you know, and Woody Allen would come out, just other people where the, and it was just like very different views. But it's good. The, the writer's room is so eclectic that it's good that we, we really get um, takes from all, all across the spectrum so we could uh, collaborate and, and make it have not just one view. That sketch was sort of different uh, from the other ones also in that uh, when we first started talking about it, it was kind of early in that story. And then through the 13 weeks that we were writing, obviously the story kept evolving and things kept coming out. And so it sort I of- I would get CNN alerts as I was writing the sketch. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were sort of like, all right, we're gonna shoot this one last because there's still gonna be a possibility that like things are gonna change, we're gonna have to change the script. And so we, we saved that one until the very end just to make sure that uh, there wasn't, you know, between when we shot it and when we aired it, there was as, as little a window as possible for like things to change. That was really a, a strange situation because Hannibal, the, the comedian who's my good friend, was the one who it, kind of brought it to light. He was just doing his set, and then if you know the story, it was, I guess, a slow news day, and they started playing that part of his set, and he called me right after it kind of exploded and was like, like, ugh. And I'm like, oh my god, it's gonna go away so fast. Like, <laughs> don't even worry, Matt. And then he called me a month later. He's like, yeah, it didn't go away like we thought it would. Uh, <laughs> You're listening to Tribeca Film Festival Live from WNYC. Coming up after the break, we'll hear more from Amy Schumer and her team. Uh, European sense of humor is different from American sense of humor, and, and you can see the difference when you when you watch her shows. What's an example of something about her show that's particularly American? Uh, you joke uh, a lot about sex, which is something that is old-fashioned in Europe, so we don't joke as much about sex anymore. We, we did it at... 20 or 30, or 30 <laughs> years ago. So, But you still like it enough to... Yeah, yeah, to definitely. Cool. Well, I hope you uh, enjoy the panel. Thanks very much. Thank you. Uh, can you guys talk a little bit about what else we're going to be seeing in, in, this, in this season? A lot of guest stars, I know. Oh, yeah, a lot of guest stars. Well, I would say the only scene that uh, I directed this season, co-directed with Ryan, was uh, the entire third episode, which we're really, really excited about. And I guess it's not like a secret anymore. Yeah, it's, um, I got an idea this over the break to adapt 12 Angry Men to be um, for our show. So it's a whole episode of our show, and it's uh, 12 Angry Men inside Amy Schumer. And we did it in shot-for-shot shot recreation, black and white of 12 Angry Men. And they're deciding if I'm good-looking enough to be on television. And it's John Hawks, Paul Giamatti, Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> Vincent Carthizer, Kevin, um, Chris Gethard. Like, it's just a, it's the heavy hitters playing it very much like the real deal. Dennis and Quaid. Dennis Quaid, let's not forget, of recent fame. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm more proud of that than I think anything I've ever done in my life. So yeah. That was the, the highlight for uh, the season for me as well. I mean, we, uh, we really studied the, the movie. I mean, Amy's notes were hilarious. I could ask her, like, who, 
who's married of those jurors? And she was like, oh, number six, number seven, <laughs> and number nine. He needs a wedding ring, <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, yeah, we, we faithfully recreated the set. Um, certain sequences of film are, are straight-up recreations. Uh, it's, it was so much fun and an incredible cast. The whole season is is uh, insane this year, and the people who who said yes. And you know what's cool? We don't we. I've learned that not to just use a famous person to use them because actually being around most famous people is such a bummer. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like you have to. Some of them you feel like you have to tend to. So we got to really work with the people we we wanted to, who would be best for the job. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm so proud of the season. I hope you guys watch it. <laughs> don't just come here and not watch it you guys seem to continually sort of push your, yourselves when you're making the show and I'm curious what, what, what else do you still what are the white whales that you want to accomplish going forward in the show I think we don't even know yet like I was, so, was kind of like oh god and then when I thought of the 12 Angry Men thing I was so excited so I think um I don't know. I've got some ideas on my iPhone <laughs> that I haven't told you guys about yet that will um, be a day it's ruiner. A, it's a little dangerous now because we're at the point talking about season three. And I remember you had me come over to watch 12 Angry Men. And then like this little idea percolates like, what if we do it? What if it's the whole episode? Who's yeah, going to say yes It was Kevin's idea for it to be the whole episode. I should say that. But it was like to this point where like, oh, nobody's here to say no. <laughs> you know? How many central has and so now it's like we're sitting on that feeling like oh we can have thoughts that people aren't going to say no to that, that is just scary definitely how I feel like one of the biggest changes from season one to season three because Amy texted Jesse and I probably that same night saying I want to do the 12 Angry Men idea as a full episode I'll direct it like and let's just you know what do you think and I know that had I gotten that text first season, I would have been like, what? No. Are you out of your mind? And then this time it got in it was sort of like, wait, let's talk about how this might actually happen. And I think that that is definitely like a, a big difference between the season and when we were doing it earlier. And Comedy Central, to their credit, I thought I had like my arguments laid out on like, you know, like legal pad trying to convince them like why we should be able to do this. And it was like a five-minute conversation in terms of like, yeah, we trust you. We trust your point of view. And they were very cool about it. We always come so ready to fight them. And they're like, yeah, you can say pussy. Who cares? <laughs> you guys, that is one of your accomplishments, is, is that being able to be said on Comedy Central, right? Very proud. Yeah. Peabody, yes. Dan Powell is responsible for uh, pussy being a word you can say on TV now. So please give Dan Dan also has two kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When, uh, when my daughter goes to Vassar, then she can tell all of her friends, my dad's the guy. Oh, my God. She's going to get so laid off of the fact that her dad is the person who said pussy's okay. That's cool, right, Dan? She's nine months old right She's now, by the infant. way. She's an infant. She's an infant. She's slamming. She's going to be trouble. Um, when, you, when, when you pick the subjects for Amy Goes Deep, how, are, how do you guys go about deciding who you want for that segment? It's really, like, just who we're interested in talking to. Um, yeah, like, especially this season, it's not, like, trying to be creative. I'm just, like, who are people I would want to have a conversation with? And I know Bailey J for a while now, and we, and I was, like, you'll love her. We need, we need to have her on. And then um, we wanted to talk to a gigolo and really, like, find out what's up. And then also I just, like, got drunk on a cross-country flight with this guy, and... Uh, <laughs> 
he was like, he was like 89 or 94 or something. This guy was next to me. Um, I wasn't going to drink, but then he got a drink, and I was like, well. <laughs> and, uh, and he was so cute. He was wearing like a little bow tie, you know, like a little fancy suit. And he, uh, we said cheers, and then we started talking. And um, when, he, when we said cheers, he almost like punched me in the face with how much he missed. And I found he was blind. And he had a wedding ring. So I was like, how'd you, you know, when, tell me about your wife. Like, kind of drunk, thinking I was going to get this, like, beautiful. And he's like, I'm married to a guy. And, uh, and I was like, oh, how'd you meet him still, like, romance? He's like, oh, we were just, like, cruising for dick. And he's, uh, <laughs> like, 94 years old. And we just hit it off and got drunk on the flight. And I was like, you should be on the show. So him and his partner we talked to. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing. We shoot those interviews at um, Sonny's Bar in Red Hook, and um, and like there's just <laughs> there's certain people who sort of seem natural walking into that environment, and then these two like gay ninety year olds dapper <laughs> dapper bow ties were like escorted in, and it was kind of amazing. It looked really good. <laughs> and now that you've become now the show is so much more high profile. When you stop people on the street to talk to them, are they now much more like oh knowing what it's about? Kind of, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess. Like Sometimes. More, yeah. Yes and no. I think there's, like, there are people, obviously, like, lots of people know Amy, and, and there are definitely people who are like, oh, my God, I'll do anything to please, like, I'll wait online for two hours to talk. And then, but it's still New York City, and then there are still just, like, the guy who we saw, and I don't know if he was a fan or not, but he, the one who said what he looked for in an ass was that he wanted it to be dry. Like, he was not a fan. Yeah, New York City's just filled with, th- with that guy, too. Um, so, yeah, I would call it a, a healthy mix. Uh, before we go to the audience, I would just love it if you would all just go down the line and, and tell people what sketch to really look out for. A personal favorite, Amy. Amy, do you want to start? Yeah. Um... Well, 12 Angry Men, mm-hmm. I've got to say. And then, um, and then one that my sister wrote, uh, Kim, which uh, just made me laugh so hard. This is upon first pitching it and then execution. It's, uh, it's called Brother, and it's about me. And Mike Birbiglia plays my boyfriend. I'm, I'm introducing him to my brother for the first time, who's played by Darren Goldstein, who's on The Affair, like a theater guy. And uh, so... I introduce him and I leave the room and then he just starts to beg my new boyfriend not to fuck me in the ass. Like he just, <laughs> for some reason, is obsessed with not letting me get fucked in the ass. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like my favorite scene in the season. <laughs> Michelle, how do you feel about that idea? Michelle Gamos? <laughs> yeah, Michelle Gamos. Michelle's like, I don't remember that script. <laughs> um, well, besides 12 Angry Men, uh, I mentioned another music video. Uh, it's... This one's like a pop boy band video. We, we actually made a four-guy boy band. And uh, the writers created this incredibly catchy song. Um, I'll okay, tell what it's about. Uh, hey, you don't need makeup. You're perfect when you wake up. So it's like starts in classic boy, boy band fashion. Amy's, uh, they're, they're dancing and singing to her, telling her to take all that makeup off because she's a needed and she's beautiful naturally. And, and you know, she doesn't... Require all that. And And then she like takes it off in the first chorus and she's like slow motion shots of water in her face and and she comes out completely natural and they see her. makeup, what a hero, guys. Fuck Reese Witherspoon, (laughs) I'm the new wild. (laughs) And and they all freeze. 
and immediately the song turns around. They say, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up, girl. Hold we up, spoke girl. too we... soon. <laughs> and the rest of the song is about them trying to get makeup back on Amy's face as fast as possible. Um, mine's one that, that Dan wrote, which is uh, Princess Amy. And Amy plays a, like a Disney princess-type character. And this, the sketch is really funny, but it was mostly just fun for me to get to see Amy, like, exactly how I know she pictures herself. Just, like, <laughs> like tiara and, like, sash. With, like, birds dressing me. Birds and, like, and <laughs> yeah, and, like, s- singing these, like, whimsical songs that were not scripted. She just, like, had those in her heart ready to go. I deserve <laughs> this life. <laughs> end up getting beheaded like don't just let them think you know that was I get, also that why i really like that scene <laughs> um it, that sketch too it's like one of these things where we would go on location after location and you realize that you never have to leave new york for any location because when you see this it looks like some medieval english village and castle and we were in harlem <laughs> um I, I guess 12 angry and and uh kim wrote one that's based on the crucible so this is our like college theater season of the show um that was just really fun a lot of great people in it that's another location that we were like isn't it the oldest building in new york oh yeah yeah it's the oldest yeah it was like uh from 1690 this this uh meeting house in in, on northern boulevard in queens (laughs) that they actually let us shoot we weren't allowed to drink i was just thinking they wouldn't let us drink in there we were so mad (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I'm... judgmental Tribeca audience. <laughs> we drink on this show. Uh, I'm ashamed to say that it's one that um, Kurt wrote called um, "Say Find of the Shirt," and it was. But part of it is like it's like loving like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree because it's this really stupid sketch um, <laughs> that was just like a parody of Say Yes to the Dress, and it's, like, a guy who just, his girlfriend drags him to go pick out, like, a second shirt to own. And, um, and Justin Long agreed to play the boyfriend, but for a series of, like, very boring production reasons, we ended up, like, having, like, maybe 45 minutes to shoot the sketch, and usually we shoot a sketch in, like, five or six hours or a day. And, um, and it just... And there was, like, a blizzard going on, and anyway... It's somehow for something that was so silly and dumb and got shot in, like, less than an hour. It really makes me laugh. And it literally starts with the voiceover saying, if you've seen the show Say Yes to the Dress, you'll understand the concept of Say Fine to the Shirt. Which is, um, it's, like, the laziest thing, but it really, it really makes me chuckle. And Justin Long was super, super funny in it. Uh... Well, my favorite of the season is definitely Girl, You Don't Need Makeup, but, uh, since Ryan already took that... Uh, there's a sketch in our fourth episode uh, where Amy plays a guest on a talk show and the talk show host, I can't say who it is and we're not allowed to, so tune into the fourth episode. But Jesse and and Amy worked on the sketch to just make fun of all the sort of tropes of like a young ingenue movie movie star being on these talk shows and it just kills me. It, It makes me laugh every single time. But, um... The one thing I do want to point out uh, in terms of what they were talking about production-wise is uh, something that you might not know when you see the show is uh, that makes what Amy and Ryan do so impressive is that we write the show all in advance and then the entire show is shot straight through. We don't do like an episode and then go back and write another. And everything is done working backwards from locations. 
So we don't shoot like one sketch, then another. Everything's cross-boarded and we just shoot kind of bits and pieces. So there might be a sketch where like Amy shot the first half of the sketch in like early, you know, October and then shot the rest of it two months later and Amy has to remember all the nuances of the, the performance because it might be cutting continuously from one scene to another, but it's like a month and a half later. And Ryan also, who directs everything, has to keep track of like this immense amount of information in terms of like getting all the sketches together. I so. guess we are heroes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it never gets talked about. It's something that's so impressive to me, Am so I, I wanted to cyber? point that out. You know, I, I, along that, I want to thank Kevin because Kevin helps me so much with all that. When we're doing, we're juggling so many things and there's, you know, some, some days we're touching four sketches and it's hard for me, it's hard for Amy and I feel like Kevin, you more than anyone, you're always really focused on the story and where it's tracking with the characters and just, you always just, you know, say a few words before we roll, it gets everything Everything where it needs to be. Kevin Kane is like the ghost everything of the show. He seriously... Yeah, can you please? He's why we're still on. Kevin, he... Yeah, he'll whisper things. He walks around, he's very shy, but he kind of slithers around making sure that the show is the best it can possibly be. Kevin's also uh, the nicest guy, but whenever he's on screen in the show, he plays the biggest piece of shit. Oh, yeah. It's the only thing Amy lets me play. Yeah, I'm like, I see Kevin in this role. He was in the threesome scene the first season, and then he's in the Chrissy Teigen therapist scene the second season, and then this season, um, he's in a he's in Twelve Angry, but also a scene called Recapping, where uh, I don't know if this has ever happened to you when a guy like right after you have sex like wants to talk about what you just did, and it's so disgusting. Uh, Kevin's the guy that does that. <laughs> You're listening to Tribeca Film Festival Live from WNYC. Coming up after the break, we'll hear more from Amy Schumer and her team. WNYC Radio down the street, and we're broadcasting the panel. Do you mind if I ask you a couple questions about what you thought? I like the part about the ass. That was yeah. the best. That was the best yeah. part. The ass. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to go to the audience for questions. Uh, yes. Sorry. Hold on, we're going to bring a mic over to you. But so far, it was said that you're doing a, a paper on rape culture and, uh, and comedy. Okay. Um, Is it on? No. Uh, oh. <laughs> Do you want to maybe help out? It seems like you're, you're the guy that should uh, <laughs> kind of hook that up. You don't know. I, well, I don't know why you're looking at me. I'm just like up here, like. <laughs> Um, yeah, your show has been like a huge part of my research, uh, which, so thank you for that. But I was wondering what it's like to write about such hard-hitting topics and make them very, very funny, but at the same time empowering to survivors. Great question. Um, well, I would say, first of all, thank you for like understanding that that's what we're doing. <laughs> and we're not just like, rape's hilarious. Because... <laughs> It's always a risk because it, people, some people will always be upset just at hearing the word. And you can maybe look at that scene and think we're making light of something so serious. But what we really are trying to educate. And, um, but that's not always clear. So it's like we know what message we want to send. And then we also think that the premise is funny. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll go to town. There was a time where at the end of that scene there were some statistics that said three out of a hundred rapes on campus ends in conviction. And then we decided, you know, like, no, it's too heavy handed. You get the messages from the scene. 
And our hope is that people will laugh at that. They'll think it's funny. And that maybe they're, they'll think, oh, no, I can't. I shouldn't film it. Like maybe something will, will get in there and, and actually help the culture. And, um, you know, some of our scenes are just stupid and about a girl farting when she's scared. But then some of them, if, if it has to deal with rape or something that heavy. I mean, first of all, rape is good fodder for comedy because it's the worst thing in the whole world. So it's, it's this untouchable. Um, so we know what our intentions are. So we're never worried about going there if we know that we have good intentions. And, um, and yeah, and really with just collaborating and checking in with each other, is this too much? What, especially last season, the military... Uh, the military video game one, which was about rape in the military, um, that was that was also we had to really. It's such a fine line where so we're doing our best to have people not check out or get offended, but still get the message and laugh. Is that what you asked? <laughs> Another question? Yep, also. Hi, it works, everyone. Um, I'm Natalie. I'm an actress, writer, comic. I love the show. Really excited about it. What sort of advice, kind of cheesy advice, rewind 10 years when you were doing mics and everything, where you're just like, I got to persevere. I can do this. Like, this is what I envision for the future. What sort of advice do you have? Uh, I truly never saw any of this for myself. Like, I, I'm not, I, I don't think I've ever had a goal. Like, I'll have a, goal, a mini goal. I'll be like, ooh, 12 Angry Men, like a new thing. But I didn't have a big picture. I didn't start stand-up with any, as a means to any sort of end. I just tried it, and I liked it. And this is, yeah, I've been doing it almost 11 years, and I just tried it. And, and uh, then I, I was like, oh, I want to get better at this. I want to work really hard. And then you get kind of addicted to it, and... Um, but I've just kind of followed the river and gone through the doors that have sort of showed up. In front. I'm going to throw up while I'm speaking. Uh, <laughs> we also have a scene this season called I'm Sorry, which Kim wrote. It's about how girls um, begin their sentences with I'm sorry. And just like even the most accomplished women just... And Claudia Doherty is in the scene. She's hilarious. And uh, yeah, she's like, oh, no, oh my God, I hated that. I wish, can we just, can we just erase that? Um, but uh, I would say I, I, the best advice I could give someone is if you think you have an idea of what you want to do, don't be afraid to throw that away. If you realize that you're, you start on that path and you're like, oh, I, th- I guess I'm actually better at editing or just writing. Like, don't be, because no one cares except for you. No one's watching. And your parents are never going to be proud of you. That's another thing I would say. <laughs> they aren't. Like, every parent, if you're an a- as soon as I start stand-up, people are like, when are you going to be on SNL? And you're like, when are you going to be at the top of your profession? And <laughs> your parents are like, why aren't you starring in movies? It's like, it, no one's parent, even Jennifer Aniston's parents, you know, they're like, when are you going to do a serious one again? It's just, so just work for what's going to make you happy. And, uh, yeah. Can you audition? For what? For the show? Yeah, go ahead. Do a monologue. Oh, you're in. You're in. <laughs> Do another question out there? Way in the back. You want to come up? Oh, well, we can. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Hi. Um, how did Josh Charles get attached to Inside Amy Schumer? <laughs> Hesika? Oh, I don't 
even really know. Oh, um, Twitter. Uh, well, jo I, Josh is like a huge comedy fan. Like, um, I used to run into Josh. Like, he would just come to stand-up comedy shows and like hang out in the audience. He just he's very funny and he really does love comedy. Um, and so I knew him a little bit, and then you knew him a little bit, or Twitter. Just Twitter. He was like, some people were just like, I'm a fan of the show, yeah. and I want to be on. And we were like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's super, he was super game to do stuff, and um, and really lovely guy. And uh, yeah, when he did him agreeing to do the um, Food Room Sorkin parody, like, it just gave it so much heft and wait to have someone who had been the star of a Sorkin series, like, and knew every, like, tiniest little bit of minutia about how to do that. Um, he was real eager to do it. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's like a fan. He's like a cool fan and a great actor. I think we, get, we have time for one more. There's one more. Yep, back there. Um, so I really enjoyed the man on the street, street portion of your show. Um, and I just wondered if you ever had any like really crazy reactions from really crazy people that you couldn't put on the show. Um, or, or just like, you know, how, I guess like how do you think of like what you're going to ask people? Oh, well we like usually go in with um, some questions related to scenes that we sort of haphazardly are like, what's a good... But then I, we kind of throw those away, and I just kind of follow the lead of whatever weirdo I'm talking to. Um, and then, yeah, there's definitely been things. Sometimes it gets dark. Like, sometimes people feel the camera on them, and they, they feel really vulnerable, and then they'll just start, like, telling you their worst insecurities or their fears and uh, get a little emotional. And uh, nobody wants to see that on this show, so <laughs> we give them a hug and we move on. Favorite, my favorite moment of Man on the Street that we got this season was um, we were asking women about um, being, like, going to strip clubs, uh, like, because we did a sketch about women going to strip clubs, and um, <laughs> we did just talked to this one random woman who was, like, very, had this very sweet voice and very sweet face, and she was, like, and it was, like, do you like to go to strip clubs? And she was, like, oh, I want to be a stripper. And, and he was, like, you do? Like and she was like, yeah, but only in the Bronx. And Amy, <laughs> Amy was like, I feel like that is such an attainable dream for you. <laughs> and I really hope that that inspired her to like, go get it, girl. Like you can do it. And also, I have to say, our other favorite man on the street this season oh. was Jim. This is the hardest. I think we've laughed the whole time making the show. So I asked a guy, what is the what what scene is was this from? What is for, oh, okay. Yeah. This the scene I wrote when I was on Ambien. Um, <laughs> I got a mail order husband, and it ends like splash. So um, I uh, so I was asking this guy in the street, what, "What's like the dumbest thing you ever bought when you were drunk?" And he's like, "This very like he's kind of like Eeyore. Like he was like, I bought myself a star, and uh, <laughs> like he bought a star to be named after himself." And we were all like, "Oh my god, that's so sad." Like we were so. Sad. And then he, his interview was so funny. We, we only use that part of it, but he just kept telling, it got more and more depressing. Like, he's like, I've never been out of the country. I've never, like he had, he hadn't on a date for, it was just, but he was such a sweetheart. He slept with like two women. Him. Yeah. 
Yeah, every answer just like peeled back another sad onion layer. But he was, but such he a was good like sport. a cute, like a cute nerdy sad hipster without <laughs> being annoying hipster. Everything he would say, I'd be like, no. Yeah, we all just, and it was also the other thing about most of the men, actually all the men on the street that you see is like, we shoot this in the winter, and this winter was the shittiest, and so everyone you see is already inherently dying. Uh, as we're talking and so but sometimes that actually helps with like the level of just honesty and like we all need to laugh so badly so when you run across like the star guy we like literally lost our shit and yeah we did invite him to our premiere party yeah, yeah, is he coming did he RSVP he, he never RSVP he, he never RSVP we're oh, all following God. him on Twitter and what he's, he's just dead? like leave us alone we're like alright we all followed him on Twitter afterwards, and he had, like, 10 followers, and now he has, like, 15, but, like, Amy Schumer's one of them. His <laughs> uh, tweets man. are sad, too. <laughs> uh, every season, we learned something that, oh, next season, we have to do this, and one thing I learned during Man on the Street was, second season, there was, we were shooting in the meatpacking district, and it was on a Thursday night, and there was, like, a really belligerent drunk guy and Kevin just immediately took it on himself to, like, body check the guy, like, out of our vicinity. And that's when I learned, like, oh, we need security next season. <laughs> because Kevin should not have to be everything plus security guard on the shoot. Kevin took someone down. Uh, thanks so much. You guys are coming. Thank you guys for being Thank here. Thank you so much for coming. On the next episode of our show, we'll hear from Courtney Love about a new Kurt Cobain documentary, Montage of Heck. That's next time on Tribeca Film Festival Live from WNYC.